Praise God. I have a lot I want to share with you all tonight. So I want to jump into it. I'm still preaching on how to hear the voice of God or hearing the voice of God. And uh, like I told you, you're going to hear this on Sundays and Wednesdays for a while because I just, everywhere I turn, I just hear God saying this over and over and over. He wants, he wants to have fellowship with his people. He wants to talk to you. He wants to want you to know that he's right there, that he's got you by his strong right arm. And so I, I talked about last week and uh, that, you, that you, you're not going to hear the voice of God unless you make an appointment. Okay. You've got to have an appointment. You've got to have a, a, a time set that you're going to meet with God. You know you're going to meet with God. You can't just random willy-nilly just come up and say, oh, I'm going to do it here, do it there. And, you know, you've got to have an appointment set that you're going to meet with God. Now, understand all of our lives are different. Understand, uh, you know, if you have children, you're trying to get them up in the morning and get them to school. And, you know, there's all these, these different components and everything in all of our lives. But it doesn't really make any difference what time you set the appointment, you just have to set the appointment. Can I have an amen? amen? Okay. And in this time, this appointment you're setting, you're not setting it to have coffee with everybody at the cafe. All right. You're, you're setting this appointment for you and God to be alone. All right. There's a lot of scriptures. Jesus was alone. He prayed all night. He was alone. There's something great about being alone with God. <clears throat> But in order to be alone with God, you have to, you have to get your, you have to get your head wrapped around it, folks. Listen to me. You can sit out there and say you prayed, but if if seventy five percent of the time you were thinking about what you were going to do that day, you didn't really pray. All right. It's time to just be with you and God alone, not thinking about what you got to do at work or what's going on or 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 you know those things that are taking place. So. At this time that you're going to be alone, I have found, you know, I mean, I'm not telling you something that I just thought up. I didn't read a book and get this. This is my life. 37 years, this is what I've been doing every morning. And so I have found that if I'm concerned about something, all right, if I have a pressing issue, I'm not just praying generally for everybody in the church or something like that, or, you know, I have a pressing issue, something that's weighing on me. I got to get that off my chest right up front. Okay, now I know that there's a lot of people, and, and, and I'm just saying, again, you got to find your own. I'm not going to tell you how the appointment's got to go, but I'm just telling you my life, and then you can glean from it. But if, if, you're, if you're praying and you're trying to exalt God and you're trying to worship Him, but the whole time you're thinking about, I can't believe what I got to go do, or I can't, da da da, you're, you're distracted. You've got to come to a place where you have cast off your cares upon the Lord because you know he cares for you. You have prayed. You have made your petition known in heaven. Okay? So that then you can still get to that time you're alone. I've given you the scripture a couple of times. uh, Colossians uh, 3.1 where it says set your mind on the things on, on heaven. You've got to set your mind on the things of heaven. And if your mind's set on the things that you're worried about, concerned about your cares, then you're not really setting your mind on the things of heaven. You're setting your mind on your affairs that you're dealing with. Okay? Now, so I'm going to, like I said, I had this great outline. Man, it's the prettiest outline. I mean, I got point one and then A, B, C, D underneath it and all this stuff. I mean, like I put it up on the board. It looks so good. But for some reason, I can't follow it. And I just, I, yeah, I just, the Holy Ghost just keeps jumping around. So I want you to, I'm going to take a little, I'm going to take a little side journey here. And I want you to get your Bibles and I want you to go. Get your Bibles out. 
Come on, let's try it one more time. Get your Bibles out and go to Luke 24, 25. Luke 24, 25. So all that I'm trying to tell you about hearing the voice of God, and I won't be honest with you, I'm not talking about you get up in the morning, you hear a booming voice of God that speaks down from heaven and says, you know, oh, hello, I'm here. No, I'm talking about the still small voice on the inside of you that speaks to you, all right? And you're not going to have a good relationship with the Lord if you do not have a fellowship and a relationship with the Word, okay? Y'all with me? If you don't have a relationship with the Word and know the Word and understand the Word, then you're not going to have a good relationship with your Heavenly Father or with Jesus, because Jesus is the Word. So... Let me show you something here. Luke 24, 25, it's a story of the, uh, uh, when Jesus appeared to the guys on the road to Emmaus. And this right here in 25, he says, And then he said to them, O foolish one and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So these two guys are walking down the road. They're disappointed. They're discouraged. Jesus didn't do what they thought Jesus should have done. Can I have an amen? amen? Anybody ever thought that Jesus didn't do what you thought he should have done? And so there's a lot of people out there. They've given up on God. They've turned their backs on God. They say, well, God didn't do this and God didn't do that. And I, I, I prayed this and nothing happened and whatever. And so the whole relationship's messed up with God because they don't believe he did what they thought he should have done. But I can tell you right now, if you believe that, if that's a thought that goes through your head, God did not forsake you. God is faithful when we're not faithful. There's no one to point the finger at except yourself. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to offend. I'm trying to help you through and to hear the voice of God. Okay? So these guys, let's just say they're, they're in their morning prayer. Let's say they set an appointment and they're walking down the road. The two of them are there and they're walking down the road in the time that they should have been having an appointment with God, hearing God's voice. And all they're doing is complaining to one another that God didn't do what he said he's going to do. Because Jesus, he died on the cross and they didn't want him to die on the cross. They wanted him to run those Romans out. They wanted him to set the temple up. They wanted him to get the rule going right there. And he wanted him to stand up and show everybody those old mean, ugly Pharisees that he was the Messiah. He was it. And so then Jesus comes up and he's listening to them. And then they're, they're like, what are you, man? Where have you been? You hadn't heard this? I mean, you know, and so they're, they're explaining in their own uh, understanding to literally Jesus, but they don't know he's Jesus, right? They're, 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 they're trying to explain this whole spiritual dynamic to the Son of God, but they don't know he's the Son of God. Can you imagine how he had to bite his tongue? Can you imagine how he just said, oh, you guys are idiots, you know what I mean? He didn't do that because he's sweet, but you know. <laughs> But you follow what I'm saying. I mean, they were, they were, I mean, he's got to just been walking down the road, just like dragging his feet, kicking the dirt, saying, I wish these guys would be quacking. I say something now, Father. And then so finally he does. And a lot of people's prayer life and their appointment with God is that relationship. 
The relationship with God is not a, a one of, of saying, man, God, I love you. I praise you. I'm so glad I'm here with you this morning. And just to be here, you're a God who only does wondrous things. You are such an amazing thank you that this morning the sun's going to come up and my covenant with you is established because you said well, it's, it's easier to break the covenant with the sun coming up than it is with my, your word breaking and following my life. You said none of your words ever going to perish. None of your words ever going to stop. And God, I love you for that. You are the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And God, you got my life. And Philippians 1 and 6 says, you're going to take me to that place. You're going to complete the good work in me. You're going to complete it in my family. You're going to complete it in my children. You're going to complete it in everybody, Lord. But they're having a relationship like, God, I can't believe what's going on. This ain't right. That's just hurt me over here. That's over there. And she said that. And they said this. And that ain't what's supposed to be going on. Oh, Lord, I'm sick. My toe hurts. God, I can't even heal my toe. I mean, my God. That's the relationship they have with God which is the same as these guys walking down the road. And so Jesus says, <laughs> Oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And then beginning at Moses, okay? So he skipped Genesis, I guess. I don't know. I'm just going to say it says beginning at Moses. So he started in Exodus. You got to understand, man, the Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible, I mean, they had it. It was there in scrolls. It was all in there. You know, of course, all the other prophets were too, but I'm just saying children, Jewish children were taught the first five books. So he begins at Moses and then all the prophets. So that means he went through Isaiah six. He went through the whole nine yards. He says, don't you know that that, that the government was going to be upon his shoulder? Went over there to Isaiah nine. You with me? Jesus started quoting to them and talking to them of what the word said about, is what it says, concerning himself. So listen to this revelation. So that means when we read Hebrews 1 last week, when we were talking about it, God at sundry times, he spoke to the, to the, to the people through the prophets. So then God was speaking, but what was he speaking? He was speaking about Jesus. So the whole Old Testament you've got here, everything in the whole Old Testament was this forerunner of God trying to speak to his people about his son coming to earth. That's what it was all about. Abraham goes up, gets the lamb, going to slay the lamb. Abraham don't know what's going on. Right? Now we look back in hindsight and say, oh, man, the lamb going up to make the sacrifice, take them off, put them up there. God's a provider. Y'all with me? So Jesus, can you imagine that? what that message sounded like? Man, I'd like to have the, the CD of that. Hello? Of Jesus preaching about himself through all, from Moses all the way through all the prophets. Right? And then what happens is, and then their eyes were open, boom, and they knew he was Jesus. Right? Okay, when this, this, this relationship I'm talking about, hearing the voice of God, it's the same way. When you get the word of God in you and the word of God begins to flow in you, it's the same as these guys on the walk to Emmaus. When you set your appointment and you're sitting down and you're having this relationship with God based upon his word, because his word is God. James, uh, John 1, right? In the beginning was the word and the word was God. Right? So you're having this relationship with Jesus. You don't have to be on the road to Emmaus. You just have to have the Bible. There's a word going out. So it's Jesus going out. And so you're having this relationship, and then all of a sudden, boom, your eyes open, and you can see what God's trying to say to you. I don't know how many times 
I have heard the still small voice of God speaking to me on the inside of me. And when I get to that place and I'm and I'm and I'm just right there and God will say, Robert, OK, I got it taken care of. Would you just hold on? Quit, quit worrying. You're not going to get one bit taller by worrying. I already told you that over there in Matthew 6. I'm not going to add one cubit to the stature. You're not going to get there by fretting and pushing and worrying. And, and, I'm, and I'm glad you're here this morning. But man, chill out. I got you. It's going to work out. You can't see the end. It's going to get there. But just quit. Just slow down. How many times I've heard God say that to me in different various ways? using his word to speak to me and well up in me. Why? Because I'm in the word. The word is the whole basis for everything you're doing in this fellowship and this prayer life and what you're doing with God in, in this appointment. The word is the basis for everything. Okay, let me show you something else. Go to John chapter 5, verse 36. Now, this is pretty crazy. John 5, 36. This is actually the second time I've preached this message on John 5, 36, because the first one was this morning to my wife. I said, you got to see this, man. I said, you have got to see this. John 5, 36 says, but I have a greater witness than John's. So about John the Baptist. For the works which the Father have, has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. Now stop right there for just a second. Okay, this takes place right after Jesus heals the man at the pool of Bethesda. When he tells him, uh, take up your bed and walk, and he gets up and walks, and everybody got mad at Jesus. The Pharisees got mad at Jesus because he healed on the Sabbath, right? And the guy was carrying his mat. Again, it's one of those stupid stories where I cannot believe that everybody's standing around not saying, the dude is healed. And they're all saying, he's got his mat. <clears throat> that shows how off they were, right? So the Pharisees are complaining about Jesus that he did this. He can't be who he claims to be because he, he, he's encouraged somebody to do sin because they're carrying their mat. This is their thinking. Okay, now listen to me. This is a, this, this what I'm saying to you is so important. Because there is a dangerous place. You can be a Christian, profess to be a Christian, profess to know the word. Listen to me. Profess to know the word and be completely off base. Because these guys were. The Pharisees knew the word. They were had to, to be a Pharisee. You had to memorize the first five books of the Bible line by line. You had to be able to recite it forwards and backwards. So how, many, how much time did they spend reading the Word? So, you know, people say, oh, yeah, you know, just get the Word. I, I, I've known people that could quote Scripture to me, and I tell you, man, they live like a devil. Why is that a surprise to us? Because the devil, when he got Jesus up on the temple, quoted Scripture to him, quoted Psalms 91 to Jesus. The devil! The devil! Everybody say the devil. The devil quoted the Word to Jesus. So just because you know what the word says, just because you read, you say you read your Bible, uh, I'm just here to tell you, uh, you could be a Pharisee. Look what he says here. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form, but you do not have his word abiding in you. In other words, they read the word to just memorize the word, but the word wasn't taking root within them and abiding in them, changing them and, and, and creating in them who they should be. 
which we know we should be like Jesus. Right? Doesn't mean we have to put a long robe on and wear sandals and all that stuff, right? What it means is, is the principles from the word, the principles from the living word of God, right? Because the word of God's alive. It's living word. It's got to be coming out of us. And if it's not coming out of us, it's just rumbling around inside your head. You don't really have a basis for the word of God. Because he told them, but you do not have the word abiding in you. Because whom he sent, him you do not believe. Listen to what he says here. You search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. And you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. So he's saying, look, you read the word. Okay, so back to the road to Emmaus, right? Started at Moses, preached to all the prophets. He preached about himself. Then he tells the Pharisees, you know what? You, you've memorized the word. You got the word memorized and all, but you miss it all because you never saw me in it. And now I'm standing right here in front of you and you can't sense, you can't detect, you can't have something burning on the inside of you saying, wait a minute, that's the fulfillment of Isaiah 61. Whoa, 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 whoa. Where was he born? Oh, he was born in Nazareth. Wait a minute, what about, what about Zechariah, where he said he was going to be born? <gasps> wait a minute, wait a minute. What about this scripture over here in Micah? Scriptures in Jeremiah. What about what about what what, what it says right in Genesis chapter 3, where it says somebody's going to rise up and bruise his head? You see, it didn't, because the word wasn't abiding in them. They read it, they memorized it, but it wasn't in them. It wasn't a part of them. It wasn't abiding in them. It wasn't something they wanted to adhere to. They just wanted everyone to know they knew it. And that caused religion and caused them to miss Jesus. I mean, he told them right there. You search the scriptures. You think you have eternal life, but they're testifying to me and you didn't see me. You never saw me. You never saw me in reading all the scriptures. You memorized them. You're intelligent people. You're intellectuals. You have studied this, but you, you missed it. So you can read the word then and miss God. Hello? All right. Let me show you another one. Matthew 25. Matthew 25, 1. It's the story of the ten virgins. Now, Tracy preached this message and did a great job on it. And I know you've heard other people preach on it, but you're going to hear me tonight. It says, In the kingdom of heaven shall be like unto ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bride. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming to go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose. They trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered and said, no, at least there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he answered and said, surely I say unto you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the son of man is coming. Jesus said he didn't know him. Because he had no relationship with them. He had no fellowship with them. He didn't know who they were. He said, I don't know who you are. Who are you? 
Okay? Now, Psalms 119, 105. It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So in, the, in my, my version of the 10 virgins tonight, the lamps were the word of God. Because it says, my word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So the lamp was the word of God. They had the word. All 10 had the word. <laughs> okay? But they were short oil. Five of them were, right? So, uh, I mean, oil is always a representation of the Spirit of God. Revelations 19.10 tells us that, you know, the, 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 the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, all right? The, the word is alive. It's got the spirit behind it. It's the prophecy. It's the testimony of the proclaiming of Jesus, right? Okay. And so they had the, they were short oil, right? And so he says, go buy some more. <laughs> so what if... I'm just throwing this out there. This is the way it hit me in this whole message. What if the ones turned to the other and said, now, what was that word? Where was that scripture? Uh, what, what was that chapter and verse? Maybe they ran out of word. Maybe they were depending on the word of the other person. They didn't have enough word in themselves that they ran out of word. They only had the, the, a few, few scriptures, really, that that was true to them. They hadn't been abiding in all the word. And so when it came time, they were short word. Couldn't handle it. Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't walk. And they ran out and they were turning to the other virgins saying, uh, can I see your Raymond notebook? Uh, what, what did you, what did you have? What did you get yesterday? Uh, what was that scripture you were talking about earlier? I, I don't remember that one. Ran out of word. There is so much craziness going on in the world today. And people are getting caught. And this is why I feel like this message is so vitally important, because people are getting caught up with things that I, when I look at something. News I'm talking about in the world and I look at something and somebody said, oh, this or that or water, you know, what do I do? Yeah. I just immediately take it and I lay it on the altar of the word. And then I said, well, how does that line up with the word? Or how does the action of that person line up with the word? Everybody say, oh, that person, he's doing a great work. Okay, let's put it over here and lay it out on the foundation of the word. And if it, if it, if it applies, well, then, you know, that's probably right. If it doesn't apply, I'm, I'm shocked. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, man, it makes me mad. I don't like to hear politicians quoting scripture and telling us what Jesus would do. Because they always want to pull out a text and say, well, Jesus would do this because he loved everybody and whatever. No, Jesus Chase people out of the temple with a whip. Let's get the word. Let's lay it out on the altar of the word. Let's lay it out right here. Jesus is a righteous God and a righteous judge. Amen. And if you can't listen to me. Hear me now. If you can't take the situation that's going on in your life and lay it on the altar of the word. Because you know that it's not going to line up. Then you better not be doing it. If it doesn't lay and fit and fall right in the crease and fit in that word, you better not be messing with it. But the people want to do that today. People want to go out there and they say, oh, you know what the word says. 
Yeah, we've got the word. We know what the word says. And you just have to understand this interpretation of the word. You know, you didn't know, you didn't. It's kind of like going back into the days before Martin Luther where uh, everybody's saying, well, look, y'all don't need to read the word. We'll tell you what the Bible says. Y'all aren't intelligent enough to read the word. Hello? And I'm like, dude, all you got to do, I don't care what your intelligence level is. All you got to do is take this foundation of the word and let it abide in you. Well, how, does it, how are you going to do that? Well, you simply read it. And what Jesus says you believe is true and it's for you. And so you're going to apply it. It's that simple. I mean, it really is. It's just that simple. I mean, it's not complicated. It's not like you have to go to uh, uh, and get your, your, your doctorate in order to be able to understand the depth and infant, uh, you know, the, the, what do you want to call it? The, the depth of whatever the word's saying and take it down to its finite point and get it all applied. Like, that, like you take a topic like faith. All right? Faith. And man, we write books on faith and we do it. And we cut faith up and we chop it up here and we chop it up there. And the ABCs of faith and the one, two, threes of faith and the 46 levels of faith and the, you know, the, the, the whatever faith. And I, you know, I, I preached on that kind of stuff, too. I'm not saying that's all that teaching is bad, but then you go down into Mexico and you find some little man that I sat there with one day and I talked to him and I know who he was and he's alive and it's not some far-fetched story who started 80 churches. And I said, why did you start 80 churches? He says, oh, the Lord told me to. No support, no money, whatever he had, got on a bus, went to a town, stayed in the town, slept on the street, preached the gospel till he got a few people, got a few people going. Few people heard the word, started those people, got them in there, got a church established. Maybe 10 people, maybe 20, maybe 50, depending on what, what it was. Got those 10 there, watched over them, helped them, found somebody that could pastor them, took care of them. And then he got on the bus with a few coins in his pocket. And he went down to the next village and he did this his whole entire life. And at the end of it, he had 80 churches, 80 churches started all because Jesus just told him to. Well, did he read the ABCs of faith? Did he get the one, two, threes? Did he have to go to Bible school and learn how to, to do a proper message and deliver a proper thing? No. You're going to tell him about faith? No, he's telling me about what faith is. You see what I'm saying, church? The world's gotten crazy because everybody's trying to figure out this, you know, this McDonald's, excuse me, McDonald's, but this drive through, drive through Christianity where you're just going to go up and order what you want and get it. And that's the way we want it. We don't have to want to do anything or suffer. We don't have to walk or learn or read or pray or set an appointment or get up in the morning earlier or stress ourselves because we had to read the word. Oh, you're only going to read something that's going to give you eternal life. You're only going to do something that can do nothing but benefit you and make you better and wiser. Man, it's so hard. I don't know. I don't really understand all that stuff. Well, get a translation you can understand. There's some translations out there. I may tell you what. I laugh when I read them because they just, I mean, they're hilarious the way they translate it. And if that suits you, then do it. But my folks, there is no excuse. There is no excuse. But if you cannot lay it on the foundation of the word of God and say, well, that's acceptable behavior. Well, then I want to tell you something. It's wrong and you shouldn't do it. You say, well, pastor, that's kind of hard preaching and I don't know. Well, you're not going to make it. 
You're going to be a ten, one of the ten virgins who are out asking everybody else for a piece of word when, the, when, when all hell breaks loose. And you're going to be trying to find you somebody to tell you what the word says or trying to get you the quick fix. Or you're going to be running around and, 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 and you know, trying to absorb something right quick. And, you, and I hate to tell you, but you're going to get to the door and they're going to say, <clears throat> who? Who's here? So the word is the foundation for everything going on. And if you don't have the word as your foundation, well, then, folks, I'm telling you, if it's not abiding in you, then you're being just like a Pharisee. And there's a lot of people, there's a lot of Christians out there going to churches and, 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 they, and they're quoting words and they're saying this and that and the other. And, oh, yeah, I know Jesus, I know Jesus and whatever, but you're just a Pharisee. And I'm afraid to tell you, but I, I think your lamp's going to burn out and you're not going to make it. I, I pray it isn't, but I'm just telling you, when you lay it on the word, that's what the word says. And everybody's worrying about so-and-so and this and that and this action and that action and what they're doing. I'm just saying, if you can't lay it on the word, then it, it, if it doesn't fit right here, then you shouldn't be doing it. It's just that simple. Okay? So, with all of that that I've said tonight, what I'm challenging you about is that you've got to ask yourself, is the word of God abiding in you? I'm not saying you know the Bible from, can quote it all from forward to backwards because that didn't make any difference to Pharisees. I'm saying, are you, are you letting the word abide in you? Let me give you another example. John 15, 5, it says, Jesus said, I'm the vine and you're the branches, right? Well, have you figured that out yet? That you are not the vine, you are not the root, you are not the juice, you are a branch hanging out on the vine of Jesus, I pray that scripture all the time. John, I think, God, I thank you according to John 15, 5. Lord, <laughs> you're the vine and I'm a branch. I'm just a branch hanging on there. I can't do anything without you, Jesus. But how many Christians are trying to do it without Jesus? And then I turn right around, I, play Philipp I play, pray Philippians 4, 13. But you said in Christ Jesus, I can do all things. So, Lord, I thank you. I'm in Christ Jesus. I'm walking under the blood. You made me holy and righteous, unblameable before you in love. And, Lord, I'm just going to walk in this. But I'll tell y'all, even myself, I mean, I'm telling you, this, is, this has been my life for the past 37 years, almost 38. The other day, I was praying, and the Lord reminded me of a scripture. And I was praying about a situation that I didn't have peace about. And the Lord said, well, it just a scripture dropped in me, John 16, 33. And so I said... John 16, 33. John 16, 33 doesn't say anything about peace. It says, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. Be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. So how does that have anything to do with peace? Am I just missing you? I, I, I'm not following you? Do you all agree with me that's what it says? Just look at John 16, 33. <laughs> you see what I had done over this, the, the time? of quoting the scripture and going over the scripture, I just took the part. In this world, you'll have tribulation. Be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. That's what I had magna, ma majored on. But it says, in these things I have spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. And I was like, holy mackerel. Look what I did. And I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I repent right now for taking half of the scripture. I mean, it opened my eyes up. I said, Lord, I just thank you. My peace is in you. And it just 
came all over me. I said, Lord, my peace is in you. Wow. I, I, now, because I've looked at that as, you know, the other way. In this world, we're going to have tribulation. I declare tribulation will not overcome me. I will be victorious over tribulation because, Jesus, you should be of good cheer because you've overcome the world. But I'd always prayed it. And he just stopped me right there and said, wait a minute, you forgot the first part. So what I'm saying to you is then I saw it and I said, oh, Lord, I want that to be a part of me. I want peace because I'm in you. I want to walk in peace. I want to be a person who takes and distributes peace everywhere I go because I'm in Christ. I want it to abide in me. I repent for not taking the first part of the scripture. Lord, forgive me, but I want it in me. That's how you abide in the word. You want it to be a part of you. So I just challenge you, great scholarly people tonight. Have you cut your scriptures in half? Have you missed some here that God wants to speak to you, wants to show you? And that's part of growing. It's part of this, the revelation of and, and, and growing with him in life, right? But that's what it means to abide in you. You want it to abide in you. And when you have that foundation of word in your life, then when you sit down at the appointment, then all of a sudden there can be conversation and there's going to be word popping up in you and there's going to be things going on in you, but you have to get to that place. Amen? So let's don't be like the five foolish versions and have to go out there and say, what was that word? That was a good word pastor said the other day. What did what he preach? Got to get it down on the inside of us and abiding in us. Amen? Amen. Well, put your Bibles up. I'm going to pray for you. Let me pray for you. Father, I just declare right now, people all over the world listen to this broadcast. I just pray for them right now that, Lord, I first pray for those that have cut the scriptures in half like I did on that one. Lord, that they'll see the errors of their ways and it'll be a great revelation to them. That fresh word will be flowing in their life. For those, to, those tonight who their heart pants for the word as the deer going to the waters brook, Lord. I just thank you that they're going to start abiding in the word and be able to lay everything out upon the word, on the altar of the word. That we're not going to be like the, the virgins, that, that the, the five that didn't have enough word in them. We're not going to be like the Pharisees who searched the scriptures, but they never saw Jesus in them. Never found life in the scriptures. Read it as a historical book or just, just something to, to chalk up on their list. But Lord, that we'll be people that are abide in your word and your word will abide in us. And we'll sit down with you and have fellowship. And it'll be glorious, Lord. It'll be like those men on the road to Emmaus. Our eyes will be open and we'll be able to behold you, Jesus, and see you because the word will be the basis of our life. Because, Jesus, you are the word. You are the word. And so, Lord, I pray this revelation to the hearts of the people tonight. I ask you to bless them. I ask you to, to unleash a revelation of knowledge so much, Lord, that they, that they will be just totally, totally shocked and blown away by your goodness. I pray tonight, O oh Heavenly Father, that you bless their finances, you bless their giving, you bless their businesses, you bless their fellowship and their relationship with their family, their friends, and with you, O oh God. And that, Lord, that this is a new day, a new chapter in our lives, that, Lord, will never, ever be the same. And, Lord, we give you praise for it. In Jesus' mighty name, 
Amen and amen. God bless you, church.